you water your faith so that you can water your world with the truth of Jesus Christ. My name is Travis Michael Fleming. I'm the founder, executive director, and host of Apollos Watered. Let's get watering. God doesn't do things the way we often want him to do them or the way that we expect him to do them. I've been in this Christian life a long time. I've pastored for many years. I've encountered people from all over the world. And I've seen people do this self-talk to themselves to convince them things about God that their experience says is not true. I'm not talking about the light stuff. I'm talking about the deeper stuff. When we get into questions of why does evil happen? Why did this person die? We say stupid stuff like God needed them. God doesn't need them. That's bad theology. Let's get into it. Let's really understand and have some good theology here. God does things in ways that we don't often expect, and he leads us to places that we wouldn't have otherwise gone without him leading. Because God is doing 10,000 things right now, and we might know only one of them. And when I think of the story of Joseph, I think, wow, if you ever want to get a story of God leading and doing things in ways that we didn't expect, then look no further than Mary and Joseph. Now, last week, we talked a bit about Mary and the Magnificat and how she had such an amazing faith. It's incredible to think what she knew, at what age she knew it, considering her limited education. But Joseph is the one that I relate to more. I'm not a woman. I can't have babies. But I am a man. And I know what it's like to be a man. And I can't imagine even what Joseph thought when Mary told him they get away from everybody else. And she says, I have to tell you something. I'm pregnant. I mean, what was that conversation like? What, what else did she say? What, what feelings just came over him like a massive tidal wave? Sadness, confusion, anger, disappointment, shame, family members, friends. I mean, all the questions had to have just been coming so quickly. And then to hear her answer that she didn't want Joseph to be frustrated, but she was pregnant with God child. Can you imagine that conversation? I, I think we forget all of the different ramifications and feelings and emotions. We have a tendency to strip those things away when we read the scripture. We do know that Joseph had in mind to divorce her quietly because they were betrothed. Betrothed is greater than an engagement, but less than a marriage. And the only way that you can get out of it is through a divorce. So, so he didn't want to shame her. He didn't want to put her up in front of all of their friends and family and in their village or, or town. And again, we have to understand how close-knit this community is. This isn't with thousands and thousands of people coming in and out where everybody goes to school and no one knows who one another is. These are people who are very familiar with one another, seeing their faces all around. It's an honor-shame society, and this is bringing shame upon the family, and how else do they restore honor? I mean, even biblically, if a man or woman was found to engage in premarital sex or adultery, they could be stoned. This had dramatic ramifications. So Mary tells him that she's pregnant. And then she says that it's God is the father of her child. And you can imagine his frustration. I mean, he knew theology, he knew of biology and what they knew, that pregnancy didn't happen without a human agent. 
She was either telling the truth or she's lying. And his experience dictated that this had never happened before. So she must be lying in order to cover up the identity of the real father of this child. But she was adamant that the child was not from any man. It was from God himself. I can't imagine, again, what he was thinking. He couldn't come to terms with what she was saying. It was impossible, which is why he had in mind, as the scripture says, to divorce her quietly. I mean, he knew that she could be ostracized, possibly branded a whore. There would be no escaping her shame. He didn't want to expose her to that type of humiliation, but what else could he do? He made up his mind that divorce was the only option of escaping the pain of the situation, and he made sure that the divorce would be kept quiet, though. He wanted to protect her as much as humanly possible and needed to figure out how to keep the whole thing quiet, but not tonight. He needed rest. He lays down to sleep. And I like for anybody, if you've had so much stress, it either will keep you up all night, it will keep you from sleeping, or you're just so glad to be done and to get some rest. For him, I'm sure that sleep was a welcome break from the thoughts that crowded and jarred his mind. It would be a respite, a momentary oasis for his weary soul. And the troubles of the day faded away as he entered into the dreamland for tired souls. And Matt images slowly grew flesh in his rest as the state of reality became that of a dream. And then in the shadowy images of blissful rest, something strange happened. Never before had he seen an angel, but there one was, in all of its glory and grandeur. Angels were and are God's emissaries of good news or judgment. Would it be that way for him, though? There was no escaping his dream. Fear and fascination united together in a quivering corner of curiosity and condemnation. Then the angel spoke. Never before had he heard an angel. Never before had the voice box of a spirit creature ever touched his ear. Even dreams cannot express the wonder of an angel's voice. But in tones of serenity and seriousness, the angel spoke. As we read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19 through 21. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So she decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. His eyes popped open, the angel was gone, and he was back in his room again. His fears and frustration fled away. His beloved had been telling the truth all along. She really did love him, and God himself had chosen her to bear his anointed one. The weariness of the previous day was gone. Replacing it was an excitement that he had never known before. She was not guilty, nor was he going to divorce her. And then there was the appearance of the angel that spoke directly to him. He was overjoyed but fearful. Other questions flooded his mind. What do we do now? How do we deal with the pregnancy? What are others going to think? No one is going to understand. He made his way back to Mary. Told her about the angel and proceeded to do everything the angel commanded of him. Joseph's story is one of faith in the midst of difficulty. God had worked in a way that was not in conjunction with what he knew or understood. God has a tendency to stretch us during difficult times. Times when the circumstances are rough and hard to comprehend what he is doing, to be sure. In Joseph's situation, God was miraculously working his will, and he's working his will in our lives as well. 
He's working through the midst of difficulty, through the midst of tragedy, bringing things to pass that we would not have orchestrated ourselves if we were chosen to be the architects of God's will. He pushes and challenges us to trust him when we are faced with the improbable or the impossible. But he is there. He's there asking us to trust in him, to wait upon him, and to look upon his handiwork, and to look for his handiwork displayed in the circumstances of our lives. You know, that's what we want to do at Apollos Watered. We want to help equip you to connect, to see the God who is. We want to be able to help you fulfill the mission of God in our time. I don't know about you. But oftentimes when I've gone to different churches and been a part of church leadership, there's this idea of how we should do and go about ministry. Sometimes we have this high theology. This is what we're to have. We're to to preach and teach this. But what happens is, is when we get into this whole high academic theology idea, we don't connect with everyday people. And then it becomes this exclusive club of those who, who find new insights into this theology. And we're removed from everyday life. But then there's the other side where we, we just speak in the plain language of the people, but yet we're not able to help instruct them into the deep things of God. There's this other idea where we, we have this great show and we, we really get things hyped up and we manufacture joy. And we talk about Jesus in this general, almost superficial way without understanding how he transcends. And in fact, we don't want theology at all. We just think God's there for our own benefit. And we fail to understand really who he is and what he's trying to do in the world. At Apollos Watered, we're trying to step away from the status quo. We're questioning even the methodologies that have been established. Because what we have found is that many of those methodologies were born in a moment, in a specific time. But that time has passed. Not that the ministry... Or the message has changed, because the message has not. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But what we're trying to do here is help those who have a holy discontent with the show. With those who are all about the programming aspect, who care so much about this image of portraying and doing church as an institution. And have forgotten God cares a great deal about being, as well as our doing. We're trying to differentiate and show that there is something more at work. And how do we live this Christian life in a world as ours? That is filled with all of these different tools where it's become privatized and individualized. How do we understand this? How do we connect with God, especially when we go to churches that don't anymore? They're not leading us into the presence of majesty. They're not helping facilitate or broker a relationship or help us to actually connect with God. The impression that we get is that there is this this huge thing that God wants to do for you if you just let him. But there's not deep transformation, not in the depth of one's soul. And they can't answer the, the nagging questions of our hearts. We want to be able to help identify the questions that people are really asking in the deeper part of who they are that they may not even know how to articulate yet. See, we think that many of those who listen to our show who have a holy discontent have been in some type of church leadership and they're very frustrated because they're seeing how things don't really work. That there's been a lot of hype, but not true hope. There's been a lot of show, but not much connection with the spirit. And there's been a lot of talk, 
with very little transformation. That's why we talk about the Missio Holistic approach, where all of us is sent to accomplish the mission of God wherever we are in our world. Because each of us has to know how to articulate our faith in our time. Yes, it's the faith that has been once for all delivered, as Jude talks about. We have one faith, one Lord, one baptism. But methods shift, and we're calling for a burial, if you will, of certain methodologies. A funeral. You know, some of them will continue to live on in cultures where Christianity is still a cultural influencer, if you will, where they have the moral high ground in the culture. But in a culture such as ours that is post-truth, that has gone on and is embracing a pluralistic worldview or secularized worldview where modernity creeps in and faith has become privatized and nothing more than psychological jargon, we're calling for an encounter with the risen Christ, a true transformation. And that's what we want you to be a part of. And we do this in a variety of ways. Number one, we want you to be able to engage the God of the scriptures. Our faith comes from these scriptures. We are confessionally Christian, not culturally, but confessionally. Secondly, we want the faith that has been delivered for all time, that has passed through history. And we look to history because we believe those who don't look to history are doomed to repeat it. We need to learn from the mistakes of those who have gone before as build upon their successes. We need to be nourished. C.S. Lewis once said that we were guilty of chronological snobbery, meaning that we are only aware of our own time and we don't realize the faults, the sins, and the situations of our own time. And the only way that we can learn that is if we look outside of our own time to see what others have dealt with. So we want to bring you the best in understanding how the mission of God was being accomplished throughout church history. And not only do we want to deliver the faith from the scriptures, that has come down from the saints of God through all of church history, but also across the sea, across cultures, because God is doing work in the world and we want to be able to be a part of that. God is doing something. He is transforming. The church is exploding in Africa and in Asia and in South America. Where is the church not exploding? In the United States. But we've also noticed that the more modern a culture becomes, the more likely they are to drift away from the truth of who Jesus is. We're asking the questions why and trying to find the solutions because the next generation needs to know the answers to these questions so that they can fulfill the mission of God in their world. And God will do it. He is faithful. Our last pillar is that we want this to be for all of life. We want your faith to be transformative for all of who you are. That means in every role in which you find yourself, as a father, as a mother, as a son, as an employer, as an employee, where you work, what you do, how you go about your hobbies, how you live your life, how you forgive, how you love your enemies, how you go about building relationships, how you go about interacting with the Holy Spirit, how you go about interacting with your culture, and how your culture influences how you think. Because our cultures do. The Bible affirms something in every culture. It shows us something that is good to build a bridge to the gospel, but it also confronts something in every culture, the idols of our age and how they reveal themselves. That's what Apollos Watered is about. And during this time of year, this time of generosity, we ask for your help. God has birthed this ministry. 
It's so clear to each one of us, but it's also clear that he invites and desires that we invite other people to be a part of this process to help renew the church in the West. And that's not our only goal. I mean, we want to see the message of Jesus go across sea and transform people from all kinds of backgrounds. But we live in the West and we know that God has called us here at this cultural moment. And we want to be able to fulfill the mission of God in our moment. And we want to invite you to be a part of it. Now, how can you be a part of it? There's a few different ways. Number one, we do ask you to pray for us because this is a spiritual work. We can't do this without beseeching God and inviting him to be part of this. We need to have his spirit directing, empowering, and strengthening us. Then we ask that you share what we create with other people. We want to be able to have other people discover this, and not just with podcasts, but we're developing online content and classes to help further equip you so that you can identify the idols of our age, that you can see the things that are keeping you back, the idols that the devil desires you to hold on to, the way that we have uncritically adopted different aspects of the spirit of the age that have come from our cultures, and to be able to confront that and move on in victory. Thirdly, we need your financial support. We had a goal at the beginning of November for $50,000. We've already raised over half, but we have this time left and we need your help to finish strong so that we can step into 2023 well. We have different people that have been giving of their time so sacrificially. We want to be able to reward that sacrifice so that they might be able to utilize their time well and use their gifts well for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. But we all know that time is very valuable in our culture today. We have so many different things that are conflicting and pulling us one way or another. But these are men and women who are dedicated to seeing the mission of God fulfilled in their worlds as well. And we want to be able to reward that because we do have to make a living to live. And we can't do this apart from your help. We invite you to be a part of our meeting our end of the year giving campaign. And there's an incentive. If you give $50 or more, we're going to send you one of the books that have made a huge impact upon us this past year. If you give $500 or more, our friends at Tyndale House Publishers have graciously offered up the NLT Illustrated Study Bible to give to those who donate. So there's your incentives. Go to apolloswater.org. Click the Support Us button and pick the amount that works for you. You'll be glad that you did because what you're going to be a part of is a new paradigm, is a new way of doing things where real transformation occurs and we move beyond the hype to the hope because there are so many souls out there today that are struggling with the status quo and that don't want it any longer. And we want to be able to offer the true water of life and bring satisfaction to that weary and dry soul. I do want to thank our Apollos Water team for making this a reality. I want to thank them for all their time of sacrifice and patience. I want to thank them for their long-sufferingness and how they care so passionately to speak up and see what God is doing in this ministry. And I do want to thank you, the listener. Thank you for graciously giving us your time. And feel free to send us a note, talk to us, share with us what it is you're dealing with, because we want to be able to create content and answer the questions that you are wrestling with. That's it for today. This is Travis Michael Fleming signing off from Apollos Watered. Stay watered, everybody.